Legacy Maker, the All Sports Network, presents a Sertoba Media production where the struggle is real to be awesome. Hello, everyone. We are live with episode of the In or Out Sports Debate. And here is your host, Drew Willingham, along with this week's special guest, professional wrestler, trainer, booker, pro wrestling promoter, and avid historian of the sport of wrestling. Give it up for the golden boy, Greg Anthony. That's right, everyone. We are live with another edition of the Inner Out Sports Debate. I'm your host, Drew Willingham, along with this week's special and returning guest, professional wrestler of the independent scene. He is the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Welcome to the show, sir. How's it going? Hey, man, I can't complain. You know, we've had a lot of renditions of this show ever since uh, you've been here. You know, you were here with episode 14, and there was one thing that we were not doing at episode 14 that we're doing now, and that is what's called acknowledging the vault of fame. Acknowledge me. And here in the Vault of Fame, we give acknowledgement to the previous participants in the Inner Out Sports debate. Got to start off with episode 14, where you were here with this graphic right here starting us out. And with that, we start out with episodes 1 through 11, Rob Johnson. Episode 12, Tyrone Montgomery Jr. Episode 13, Corey Mann of the Undisputed Champions. Episode 14 was you here for episode 14. Episode 15, Tyrone Montgomery Jr. returned. The Snowman, Brian Snow, was here for episode 16. Darrell Owens, Mr. Rollback of Walmart, was here for episode 17. Episode 18, Brian H. Waters of the Wrestling Realm was here. Episode 19, James Brown of the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Episode 20, Walea Kenso of Fox Sports in the urban sports scene was here. Episode 21, your son, Xander Anthony, was here to talk an all-NBA edition for episode 21. Episode 22, Wally, the other half of the Undisputed Champions, was here. Episode 23, Paul Schofield was here to talk a bunch of football and basketball as well. Episode 24, Corey Mann returned to discuss some more wrestling. Episode 25, Joe Diller Jr. was here. Episode 26, the first ever all NASCAR edition with BCQ, Becca Cottingham Quimby of the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Episode 27, Lamont Thomas. Episode 28, James Brown returned as well. Episode 29, the first ever trios edition. Darrell Owens and Jeremiah Quimby were here for that first ever edition not, not too long ago. In episode 30, the second ever professional wrestler to grace our doors here at the Inner Out Sports Debate, Ellis Pollard was here for episode 30. And also returning last night for episode 31 was Walea Kinso here on the Inner Out Sports Debate. Today is Double Debate Tuesday, where we start off a second of first of two episodes with this one being episode 32 and episode 33 this evening with Cody Stewart at 8 30 p.m eastern time here on the Legacy Maker Sports Network you can also check us out on these sports handles here on the uh, in or out sports debate on Facebook Instagram TikTok Twitter and Twitch as well as these audio platforms Apple and Google Podcast Spotify Amazon Prime Anchor.fm and you can also download on iTunes as well I know that was a lot to get out there, man, and I greatly appreciate you staying with me for that one. We've got a lot of good topics to discuss here on the Interhouse Sports Today, another all-wrestling edition. Let's kind of kick this into the WWE to start out. But before that, for those of you who do not remember who this man is, here's 80 seconds of why you should remember. Who the Golden Boy Greg Anthony here. You may remember me from such things as being the best of the best or the EWE Heavyweight Champion. Were you watching the same match that I was? Were you? Did you see the fact that I had him pinned in the middle of the ring? Well, I'm telling you, expect the unexpected. And that's me. Walking out as I walked in, the EWE Heavyweight Champion. Every person's ever bought a ticket, every person's ever changed a channel and saw me on the television. 
They remember who I am and what I'm about. This right here, the junior heavyweight title, the most important junior heavyweight title in the world. And when the golden boy Greg Anthony makes a promise, and when the golden boy Greg Anthony makes a promise, it's as good as gold. That's an awesome way to get this show started. For those of you to remind you of who this man is, let's take this into round one with some WWE action. Round one. And with round one, we start this out with Montez Ford should turn heel and go for a singles run after the loss at SummerSlam. How do you feel about this, Greg? Are you in or are you out on him turning heel? I am firmly out. Yeah, we, we've got this preconceived notion of professional wrestling now that every tag team has to be broken down into who's the Sean and who's the Marty. Who's going to be the star and who's going to be left in mediocrity. And uh, to be fair, like not all tag teams are like that. A lot of tag teams are are basically they're worth more together than they are apart. And right now, for me, the, the Street Profits are worth more together than they are apart. Um, plus, the simple fact that, that that may be where they're going, but the simple fact that, you know, I'm watching him trying to kind of have an edge to himself in his matches now. He's trying to kind of be heel, but not kind of be heel. And it's coming off very cliche, and it's coming off very like he's playing wrestler. And I don't feel that it's genuine at all. So I, I feel it would be – a a big disservice to him and his career if we were to turn him heel at this point. I actually agree with that too. I was I was gonna say that I thought you might go the other way, but I'm gonna agree with this as well. I'm out too. I think we're gonna see D'Angelo Dawkins get jealous of what Montez Ford's you know capabilities as singles run, and we're gonna see him turn a Montez Ford. I've been calling this since it happened. There's also been some memes out there showing that he might turn on Montez and, you know, with seeing what Bianca can do and seeing what Montez can do on the mic as well. I, I feel like that he would do really well on a run as a single star. And I could see him having potentially the U S championship or the intercontinental championship within the first six months of him be going on a singles run, but it's going to start with a breakup more than likely of the team. It, I don't see them doing it as well of a job as they did when Kofi and, and big E went on their runs with, you know, with the, with, for the WWE championship, I don't see them putting the strap on him that soon, but I do see him going for like the Intercontinental Championship or the U.S. Championship within the first year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a possibility. I mean, but at the same time, like I said, I, I just don't feel like there's a need to break them up. I don't I don't think – me as a booker and me as a promoter, I don't put tag teams together just to break them up. And I feel like that's what WWE sometimes does is, oh, well, we can break them up in two years. I mean, have they even been tag team championship? They have. They, they have. have. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure, but like to me, they ha- well, they haven't gotten a significant run for me to go. Well, yeah, yeah they're a great tag team. You know, just there's lots of tag teams that are that are better together, like the Road Warriors, for instance. I mean, those guys were much better, um, more worth more together than they ever were apart. You know, uh, Dudley Boys. You know, obviously the same way. I mean, there's just certain teams that you know don't need to break up and. They have to be given a legitimate run and a fair shot at what they're doing first to see if, if if that's the case. And we just don't – a lot of times with these tag teams, we don't get a fair shot. They're just putting them together so they can break them up in, in you know, 18 months. Absolutely. And I did a quick fact check. There are three-time champs. They've done the Raw Championship, the SmackDown Championship, as well as the NXT Championship once each. So they're so, three-time champs in WWE. I know you can't do been on significant runs. They haven't been like they haven't been that long of runs for you to kind of like impactful and rem- remember. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. I don't want you to do the math right now, but I would be very surprised if they were any runs of any kind of length. They weren't, you know, demolition, you know, <laughs> demolition tag champ runs or anything like that. No, definitely not. But you know, they have the potential there. But uh, now that there's a new change at the top, which we're about to get into here with round two, they might actually have the chance to uh, show their full potential. And with that, let's hit this into round two. Round two. And here with round two, Vince McMahon's retirement from pro wrestling does not mean this is the end for him in the limelight. 
How do you feel about this, Greg? Are you in or are you out on this? I'm 100% in on this one. Vince McMahon is WWE, you know, and um, being the control freak that he is, a guy that worked, you know, 20 hours a day for 40 years or whatever the insane stat is about it, it's uh, it's impossible for me to think that he's just going to, you know, step away and then give over 100% control to whomever. Um, and those people that I know that still work in WWE and are so close to the thing, you know, I, I really don't think that there's any way that he's going to be out of the limelight for long. Uh, if anything, you know, Vince McMahon on the uh, Pat McAfee show had, had joked that his great, his grandmother lived to be over a hundred and that he planned on working for as long as he could. So even if this thing takes three, four years to blow over and he's only 81 years old and he's still able-bodied, I could see him, you know, coming back and reclaiming his position. Yeah, I, I definitely am picking up what you're throwing down. I'm in on this as well. Look, Vince McMahon gave so much to pro wrestling. He kind of, you know, kind of changed it up a little bit, definitely, of course, but he definitely did a lot to change it. And with that, I actually have to show this two minute clip of how Vince McMahon changed it, not wrestling, but creatively. I've got an insatiable appetite for life. And I want more, more, more. And I'm a victim of what came out of your demon-infested womb. I think I'm going to go to the nearest nudie bar and, and have a drink. <laughs> Come on, Tajiri, you're coming with me. Come on. Women. <laughs> Get up. Now then, Chris Benoit. <laughs> Who the hell do you think you are? Well, actually, things are going real well with the XFL. I'm glad you asked. What's up, boss? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. What's good in the hood? Just holding it down, trying to take care of business. Keep it up. I'm a nigga. In my rectal area. What? Oh, no. When you stuck... You violated me, Austin! You violated me! some support from this audience but 95% of them are idiots no. my testicles are the size of grapefruits whoa making love to a dead person you know a, a female dead person when you're a guy is, and you're in this thong type thing it was like come on that is like high comedy if there ever is but let me tell you this I am no pervert Shout out to Liam Pendergrass for making that uh, video on YouTube and for the acknowledgement of, of us to be able to share that. That is basically entitled Vince McMahon is insane on YouTube, but that's that's creatively what he gave to the industry. He changed the game where we used to just cut on the tube 30 years ago and just see wrestling, you know, with it was over that actually when you would look outside the territories, when you're looking at territorial wrestling, you could actually see old school type of wrestling. You got to go older than that, maybe like 35 years to AWA to where you can see like, you know, Vern Gagne type of old school wrestling to really be able to, to see outside of the whole entertainment perspective. But that is the type of example of what Vince did to break the mold to where it's wide open now in the twenty in the twenty first century. 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a double-edged sword. You know, obviously, you know, he took professional wrestling to heights that had never been taken before. Um, but what did we have to do to get there? <laughs> you know, a, a lot of those clips are, are very, um, as my kids would say, cringeworthy. And, um, you know, I, I'm more of a fan of the territory stuff, of the territory wrestling, the, you know, the Mid-South area, the the Mid-Atlantic, you know, all that kind of stuff, the Memphis area, obviously. Uh, that kind of is wrestling with with the drama kind of sprinkled in and, and Vince McMahon kind of flipped it on its side and, you know, made made it all about the drama and less about the wrestling. Um, so, you know, it, it's double-edged sword. You know, obviously he did very successful. You know, the only professional wrestling company that's publicly traded on the stock market, so on and so forth, worth billions of dollars. But what did we have to do to get it? I, I think I'd much rather be uh, mom-and-pop wrestling still than than what happened. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, too. Um, just because you get more out of it, there's more of a, a story. Like, with, with his history, you know, he'd build up a story in three weeks and just kind of throw it into a pay-per-view. I mean, that's that's not, like, long-term storytelling to where it builds up to something. That's why there's so many bad ratings on things that he did over the past 10 years. But with that being said, with Vince McMahon, we kind of have some breaking news we got to acknowledge real quick. <laughs> That breaking news is this. Speaking of wrestling, next week, the first ever Undisputed Champions edition next Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern here to discuss all wrestling for another Undisputed Champions uh, with Man and Wally here for the first ever trio edition for the wrestling. And with that, we actually have a pretty good jam-packed round three. Let's go ahead and take it into that. Round three. With round three, AEW will not make the same mistake that WWE did with underutilizing Claudio Castagnoli. How do you feel about this, Greg? Are you in or are you out on this? Uh, I'm out. Um, they're going to make the same mistake, but they're going to go about it a different way. Uh, WWE, you know, underutilized him in the sense that they felt like they didn't have to have him and they kind of went other directions, things like that. AEW is going to underutilize him, but they're going to do it because they forget all about him. <laughs> Tony Khan has a history of of hiring talent like they're action figures, and then once he's played with it for a few weeks, he gets bored of it, and then all of a sudden it goes back on the shelf. So it's very hard to get ahead in, in an environment like that, a culture that he's creating like that. So while everyone's rejoicing right now about Claudio being the ROH you know, champion and he's finally going to get his shine and like all this kind of thing, I, I really think it's, it's almost like a false finish. You know, we're, we're all excited right now, and eventually the rug's going to be taken out from under us. Yeah, um, it's just – it's hard. I got to look at this intro with him coming back at Forbidden Door real quick. Though. Listen. And with that, I got to disagree. I'm in. I just feel like they, they they see what WWE messed up on. He is someone that now with CM Punk hurt. You know, you've got Kenny Omega that's out for how long, you know, however long you see that being gone. Um, MJF with the contract disputes or whatever the storyline's culminating into, because we covered that when you were here on episode 14, and not much has changed. Since then, he hasn't appeared on AEW programming. He hasn't he hasn't done anything, you know, of note. So when it comes to that, I've got to disagree. I got to go in. They've they've got to have somebody that can help carry the load here. Uh, you know, you've got Moxley as the interim champion. Jericho going against him. Come on now, Jericho at, at his point, his career. Yeah, he did okay with being the first ever AEW champion. I'll give you that. But at the same time, I don't see him taking the belt off of Moxley. 
And CM Punk would have been somebody that they were going to give a good run to until he got hurt, unfortunately, shortly after he got the belt. So I got to see them putting the belt on Claudio at some point, get that ROH belt off of him at some point, build a decent storyline with him, put the AEW championship on him, and send him to the moon. That's why I got to disagree. That's what I want. Yeah, you're. I think you're going to be really disappointed by this. <laughs> one, one, the whole point of having an interim champion is though you have that interim champion go all the way and go back against the original champion. So it'll be CM Punk versus Moxley at whatever point. Uh, as far as like that, obviously that that reaction of uh, Forbidden Door that was a huge reaction. But we've seen that reaction for everyone they brought in just about, and it, it hasn't culminated in anything more than just you know. A, a, a small, a small forward thinking kind of thing. Like it's, it hasn't changed the game. It hasn't needle moved as they like to say. So, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I really don't feel like, uh, I think they're putting them on ROH because they really don't have a spot for them in AEW because they are really main event heavy on AEW at times because they hired all these guys and basically had no plans to go with it. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, but they, they they're realizing now that with uh you know with talent getting hurt, I just feel like they, they need to make some moves with some certain talent that they've got. And they're not doing it with Brian Danielson, you know, of course, with his uh injury history and stuff. So yeah. I feel like you got to give it to Claudio because he was pretty durable for, for WWE um and was a big part of that uh that tag team duo with Sheamus. I gotta give him credit for carrying the load there too. And with that being said, we do have a decent amount of comments we've got to acknowledge from the fans here at the middle of the show. Uh, this one in particular, the chosen one, we've got to acknowledge him here in the Medial Mayhem. And here at the Medial Mayhem, where we acknowledge the comments from the fans, we have a few comments. Uh, we, uh, we have one from one from Paul Schofield, but we also have them from the chosen one starting out. The vault is growing, commenting here at 134 or 1234 your time. Um, so basically, he said that the vault is growing. Save me a seat. Well, you got to acknowledge whoever you are, chosen one. We got to go through a pre screening uh, process because some of these things you comment on, I don't know if I want them to be going wild on the show. You also say badass intro for a territorial legend, giving you some props right there uh, for the intro at the beginning of the show. Benny Mac for president. This is what I'm talking about. This is the stuff that I'm telling you. You know, he's saying if Trump can do it, he can do it also. How do you feel about that, Greg? Do you think uh, do you think Benny Mac go for president? Do you agree with the, the chosen one? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> We already tried to elect a McMahon a few times, and it didn't work. And eventually, she became a part of the Trump administration. But, um, yeah, I don't think Vinnie Mac has any kind of history in uh, politics. Yeah, I, I, I don't agree with this either. I'm out as well. And for that, you unlock this, the chosen one. Because no one cares, chosen one. They would not elect him as president. He comes back with this is the best highlight video of Benny Mac with the laughing emoji. <laughs> he thought that was that was funny, I guess. Well, thanks, I guess, for that one. Thank Liam Pendergrass on YouTube for that. Give him a shout out in the comments. He would love that. Um, Paul Schofield comes in with Vince McMahon is an icon. So he was commenting on that during the highlight video. The chosen one says good points golden boy he's definitely giving you good points for i guess with your um after the highlight video it looked yeah the, the time frame of this was like after the highlight video where you were saying what you were saying about uh you know vince mcmahon and how you didn't really agree with where he was taking it creatively yeah i mean i appreciate that chosen one hope it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an odd twist of fate if that actually was jeff jarrett it would it would that would be funny i mean based on the car i don't know it, it's kind of confusing he's been a <laughs> He's been on here for about, I'd about to say, nine, ten episodes, kind of trolling. But it hasn't gotten too out of hand. I haven't kicked him off of here yet. But he's got one one last thing to say. Punk versus Claudio. 
I mean, yeah, it's, it'd be a great match, but I just don't see it happening. I don't Not anytime either. soon, anyway. You know, the one person that I would love to see come back, especially, I'll go ahead and share my favorite promo, I think, of this one uh, wrestler. He's definitely in my top three. This this guy right here. Mary had a little lamb. Well, i tell you what, piss on the lamb, piss on Mary, and piss on you. The Rock is going to go out there tonight and do what he does best. And let's lay the smack down on your Rudy Pooh. Ah, hey, don't do it. Don't do it because the rock guarantees to prove to you, you, this goof holding the camera, this chick gawking at the rock, he will prove to the millions and millions of the rock's fans exactly why the rock is the great one, exactly why the rock is the chosen one, and exactly why the rock is, without a shadow of a doubt, the best damn WWF champ there ever was if you smell hey uh-uh Philly this ain't sing along with the champ if you smell what the rock is cooking you know I didn't realize when I downloaded that clip that he said the chosen one in there so I'm not trying to give you praise there chosen one but just ironically the name you chose on YouTube is in that clip, but that's still my one of my favorite uh, promos of all time, or whatnot. Well, it's it's kind of, it's kind of odd too that he talks about pissing on Mary and pissing on the lamb, and you know <laughs> you got the Golden Boy here, and a lot of people like to say you know they like to chant Golden Shower at me sometimes. I don't know why, but <laughs> so that kind of weaves in together too. So, hey man, you know it, it's your points. They they, they got to have some haters out there. It's the name of the game. <laughs> So is he? You, you, they either love you or they hate you, and that's that's a pretty pretty good one to come back with, with the golden shower. I gotta give him give him props on that. But with that, let's go ahead and take this into round four, man. Round four. You know, Greg, something I've started probably here within the past 10, 12 episodes is called the by the number segment, and with this one because we're at episode thirty-two. WrestleMania 32 should be considered as the worst of all time. How do you feel about this, man? Are you in or are you out on this? I'm going to be out on this one. Okay. Uh, well, for one, I reject the premise of the question because <laughs> being the worst WrestleMania of all time is still pretty good. In the sense that, you know, it's WrestleMania, and they probably drew 70,000 people to that WrestleMania, right? So, um, actually, that was the 100,000 one, wasn't it? Because I was I – was here's another interesting thing. I was actually at this one. I was at the 100, one. 101,000. So yeah, 101,000. Yep. So, 101,000 people, I don't think you could really call it the, the worst of all time. You know, wrestling, wrestling history dictates – you know, if it drew the most money and it drew the most people, then it has to be one of the best. You know, uh, Nick Dinsmore, who is uh, – I've got to do some dealings with over the years. He asked me one time, he said, you know, what's the greatest match of all time? And I said, you know, Steamboat versus Flair. And then another guy said this match and that match. And he looked at all of us and said, no, greatest match of all time is Rock versus Cena from this year's WrestleMania because it drew the most money. He said that's how that's how they look at it, you know. So 101,000 people, you know, that's that's the benchmark, right? Yeah. What would you say would be your, if even though the worst one's still not that bad, if do you have a worse one in mind? Could you, could you think of one that, even um, if it's one of the I mean, really, up until the last couple of years, I mean, I, I really felt like a lot of them were really good. Now, when you get in the late 20s, that's, that's when they kind of fall, start falling off for me. Um, I can't really pick, like a lot of people will hate on WrestleMania 9, for instance, because of the finish with Hogan and Brett and, and Yoko and all that. But, you know, I, we covered this on my podcast and like we actually showed, you know, overall, it's actually not that bad of a <laughs> of a card. And they actually had some decent matches. Yes, yeah, so there's some questionable decisions, but no, no, no. I just I really can't pinpoint a worse one. Now, the last couple of years have been kind of blah for me because like just the state of the industry. I don't think it's really it's really WWE's um, necessarily their entire fault. Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you on this. I'm I'm out on this as well. I 
And with that being said, I with, with the, the card that they had, uh, they it wasn't too bad of a card. You know, they had Triple H and there at the top. You had Shane McMahon versus The Undertaker, um, and w- where Shane gets pretty much thrusted out, you know, and pretty much a hardcore bump that he took on that one. If I were to pick my worst WrestleMania, though, and like you had made a good point with saying in the 20s, late 20s were the bad ones, I would have to say WrestleMania 27, in my opinion, is the worst one. That's the one where it was Jerry Lawler versus Michael Cole. If you remember that match, that match was horrible. That was in 2011. Our main event for the WWE Championship was The Miz defeated John Cena in our main event of that one. Undertaker versus Triple H was a where where the Undertaker defeated Triple H in a submission match. Randy Orton defeated CM Punk right there in the mid card. Cody Rhodes defeated Rey Mysterio, and this is smoke and mirrors Cody Rhodes. So when I read these these matches off the card, and especially the first one where Sheamus, the United States Championship against Daniel Bryan, and he beat Daniel Bryan, and this is the time frame where the momentum was building up for Daniel Bryan. Think about all this stuff because that was when the next year was when they made up with for Daniel Bryan for that in 2012. So I gotta go, I gotta go out on this as well. I don't think the 32 is the worst one in my opinion. It's it's WrestleMania 27. Yeah, 27 was was pretty bad. Um, the the thing that bothers me about the the Jerry Lawler Michael Cole match is Jerry Lawler made a a living at that kind of match, him versus Jimmy Hart, him versus Andy Kaufman, him versus that type of character. I don't know whose brilliant idea it was to have um, Michael Cole start doing submissions and trying to do the ankle lock and trying to, you know, out wrestle Jerry Lawler, but that was a horrible wrong decision. And it ended up being, in my opinion, one of the worst matches in WrestleMania history um, by no fault of Lawler's on his own. And then, you know, the Sheamus, Daniel Bryan thing, uh, when you make decisions not based on what's best for business, you're making decisions just to, just to entertain yourself. I, I think that was the thing. I mean, yeah, everyone talks about it and stuff like that, but you had two, two guys on that card that really could have had a standout match on that card and you dwindle them down to what was it? 19 seconds, 12 seconds, whatever it was. Mm. But it's just, um, I didn't even mind. Like I did like I actually did like the Cena Miz match just for the simple fact that everyone thought it was going to be garbage, and they end up actually getting them with it, and actually had it going. But it's set up for obviously Rock Cena the next year. Absolutely, and it it set it up pretty well. Um, you know, I couldn't really get a highlight video together of that one, but uh, for this next one. For the final round, I was able to definitely muster up one for that. And let's go ahead and take it into the final round here on episode 32. Final round. Here on the final round, we just talk about a legend. A legend in the sport, in the professional wrestling entertainment for 50 years this man has been a legend whether you love him or hate him you got to acknowledge it and the fact that he just recently had his last match on uh, july 31st the day after SummerSlam. his last match was as good as his original retirement match with Shawn michaels gregor you in or are you out on the fact that this match beat that match uh out <laughs> Um, I, I don't know how anyone could, could think that, you know, Ric Flair's last match from, from this, uh, past few weeks was better than that. Shawn Michaels, that Shawn Michaels match and that entire angle and everything that happened, that was the greatest send off in sports history. Like no other athlete of any, you know, sport or any genre or anything got a send off like Ric Flair did. Um, and it was amazing. And the match itself was a great match. Uh, it had emotion. It had drama. It had athleticism. It had everything you needed. Of course, Shawn Michaels is a very special case in this sense is that he could carry anybody. You know, even though Flair was past his prime at this point, too, he was still able to do what Ric Flair was known to do. Uh, this past one, obviously, you know, it was it was hard to watch at some points. I mean, it was very – it was, you know, embarrassing, you know, in some cases. So, um Overall, his last match, it did have a certain award to it. it. You know, the people were standing. It was something historic. But, no, it is no way, shape, or form in the same league as his original retirement with Shawn Michaels. 
I I gotta agree. This one was basically just for fun, but I'm definitely out on this as well. And with that being said, even though we're both out on this, okay, I was able to get a three-minute video of Ric Flair's last match. And and let's let the fans decide here in the comments if we're wrong. You know, we both feel like Shawn Michaels gave a better send-off at WrestleMania. But here's a three-and-a-half-minute highlight video of this last, uh, this previous last match for Ric Flair. And let's see if you disagree with us. Introducing from Dallas, Texas, Marshall Andros, the Pirates. Jim Crockett Promotions has returned for one night. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you live from the Nashville Memorial Auditorium. And tonight, you can be a part of Ric Flair's last match. It'll come at the top of the hour when we go live on Fight TV here in JCP. David Crockett! Oh, David Crockett is back! Go Nashville! Ricky looked around and said, you guys want me to come in? And I'll well, tell you. hell yeah we do. Hell yeah. I admire Brock Anderson's spunk saying. Hit two, three ropes, some momentum. Oh, he sent Saban down with a big kick. Uh, but it's uh, watch no, out, Shelly. Shelly from behind. Boy, David. Nice form. He clocked him. Tried to oh, do the Oh, he's got that ankle. Yeah. better the last time to have you here in the greatest wrestling town and one of the greatest I hate to say greatest because then everybody gets upset but I had one of my best matches of my career here as Ricky Steamboat all my family's here we've made jokes about me being married five times while all the kids are here and one wife but all my granddaughters and children are here, and, and my friends are here. And, and I swear to God, guys, if I didn't have enough pressure on me tonight, fucking Kid Rock walked in the fucking locker room and said, <laughs> he said to me. That's a, that's a little highlight reel from his last match. You know, I basically had said, we, we need to see uh, if anybody disagrees here. And we do have the final rendition of the mayhem. So let's go ahead and check out the mayhem culmination, see what the fans got to say about it. And 
here in the mayhem culmination, just like at the beginning, it, we're in the midway point. We acknowledge the comments from the fans. Jay Quimby comes in with afternoon, gentlemen. Well, afternoon, Mr. Quimby. Thank you for joining us uh, here from Facebook. Um, he is one half of uh, the Legacy Maker Sports Network's um, founders uh, and, and basically like the CEO of it. So uh, thank you, Jay Quimby, for uh, for the platform and for allowing this uh, for, for this situation to happen. We got uh, the chosen one saying that WrestleMania 3 was the worst. No way. <laughs> no way. What kind of vitamins are you smoking today, chosen one? It's only 2 o'clock p.m. Uh, Eastern, 1 o'clock p.m. Central over where uh, Mr. Anthony's at. So uh, you got to be smoking vitamins to be coming up with WrestleMania 3 is the worst. Saying that Hogan versus Andre sucked. Wow. Well wow. chosen one. This match was the greatest because he's damn near 80 years old. Well, he's he's rounding up a little too much. He's only 73. I mean, if you want to call him 80, that's fine. But, I mean, can we use the rules of math at least? And he, he has to be at least 75 before you round up to 80? True, but, I mean, he's it's wild, man. The fact that he comes out here saying that Hogan versus Andre sucked. I got to go back to that for a second. <laughs> that's that's the crazy one. And then WrestleMania three was the worst. I got to go back to that for. And w- with that, we got to give you another rendition of No One Cares. <laughs> WrestleMania three was not the worst. Come on, chosen one. Get out of here with that bull jive is what Shannon Sharp likes to say. Fox well, Sports. Not only not only did it have one of the biggest draws in wrestling history with Hogan versus Andre, but then it also had one of the greatest matches of all time with Macho and and, and uh, Steamboat. So, like, I don't see how he could even fathom putting WrestleMania three as the worst. Yeah, it, it's – and then with this saying because he's damn near 80 years old, get out of here with that chosen one. This match was the greatest because he's damn near 80 years old with Ric Flair. And then he actually wants to talk smack to you. I challenged the Golden Boy. Now, what are you challenging him in? Are you challenging him in uh, to a wrestling match? He definitely no. I don't think so. Oh, here he goes. He bears. 101 and 21. Wow. I was going to say, he better not be challenging me to wrestling or, or trivia or, you know, basketball or anything like that. He better be challenging me to, like, you know, Minecraft or something since I don't know how the hell to play that. <laughs> Chosen one, I think you are smoking some vitamins here in the middle of the day. Um, you need to calm it down there. Jay Quimby comes back in with cell phones are a pain in the ass at events. Okay. Uh, I don't, I'm not too sure about where what, did he get that from. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I don't. Jay, if you're watching, what what is it? Clarify this here at the end of the show. Cell phones are a pain in the ass at events. And to give you a second, we'll go right back with. Ain't nobody got time for that. Because I mean, we 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 got we don't have time for that. You know, we don't have time for the for the losing that segue on that. But um, the next comment we got. Chose one says this was Flair's best match ever. Oh, yeah, he's he's definitely trolling. I yeah, mean, he's tr- he's trolling, trolling bad. Yeah, <laughs> I've All seen right, matches. So- I've seen matches on you know, you know, studio wrestling. You know, Ric Flair versus George South that were better than his last match. So I to say that that was the greatest match ever is insane. That yeah, deserves a little John, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're. You know what? That's definitely a good call out. We're gonna go with a uh, little John of. Well, first we need to go with. Uh, Get the fuck out of here! That's the first one we got to go with because they, we haven't even had anything that is warranted that yet, which we just did. And this one is little John. What? Because and if we got to go with Tommy Boy real quick with that even too. Holy shnikes! Holy. Like, come on, man. Like, what are you thinking with those comments with the Chosen One? We got another good one, though, from, from Jay Quimby, though, real quick. Jay, he says, in the footage, you see people with phones everywhere instead of enjoying the moment. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's been a that's been a uh, a thing the last couple of years, you know, you know, live in the moment, you know, quit staring at your phones, you know, that kind of thing. But they're also preserving their moment with the phone. So, like, 
it's kind of kind of back and forth, you know. It is. Um, you know, if as long as they go back and watch it, I guess. But for those, I guess there's some that and to an extent, I guess your phone could be considered the vault where we lock it into the vault. And right. uh, but some people just don't acknowledge it, I guess. But with that, we actually we actually have to segue into the fact that we need to acknowledge this man is now in the vault again with the vault of fame. Greg is now a two-time member of the Vault of Fame here. He's a two-time inductee in the Vault of Fame. The Golden Boy Greg Anthony joins this list of the previously announced, which he was already on it, but now with episode 32. Again, guys, you can definitely check us out here on Mondays and Tuesdays on the Legacy Maker Sports Network. Before we get into that jive, we need to go with one more thing. We do have one more segment to go into, and that is the final word. And here on the final word, just, you know, out of everything that we discussed throughout the entirety of this show or just anything in general in sports entertainment, what do you have to get off your chest there? Uh, you know, it's professional wrestling is, is heading in a direction that I'm not quite fond of. You know, I, I like to go back and watch the old school wrestling and I don't see how anyone can watch how, how it used to be and watch it today and say today's better. Yes, it's more accessible today. Yes, quote unquote, um, per you know you're making more money, but you're not making more money per capita like it was. Um, we talked about the territories earlier in the show, and like where a lot of people's Vince McMahon. Uh, one of the problems I had with Vince McMahon was you had that was he was the end all be all. If you weren't over with him or he didn't like you, then you weren't going to make a living in professional wrestling. As to where were the territories? If Vern Gagne didn't like you, then you could go to the Crockett's. If the Crockett's didn't like you, you could go to Jerry Jarrett. If Jerry Jarrett didn't like you, then you could go to California. So, I mean, um, I, I miss the territory system. I miss, you know, that kind of, uh, that kind of freedom that allowed professional wrestlers. And, you know, I really want the younger generation to, you know, get out of their little, their little world and go out and realize, you know, professional wrestling was a very viable thing in the seventies and eighties. And if you go back and watch, you'll see how much they react to a hip toss, you know, and, and go crazy. And us as professional wrestlers, you know, we don't have to take a Canadian destroyer out of a doomsday device to get a reaction. You know what I mean? We could, we could do those things that tell those stories and, and, and lay that groundwork for, for all. It's kind of like, kind of like to piggyback off what you were saying. It's kind of like back in the day with territorial stuff where they would work a body part, you know, and start that out with the beginning yeah. of the match and then just kind of work that into the storyline of how the match was going to go, you know, how they told the story of the match. Well, it was a believability thing, too. Like I said, I'm watching – like currently I'm watching like Mid-South Wrestling from 1982, and nothing looks choreographed. Nothing looks planned. Everything looks like a wrestling match. If something goes wrong or something, quote-unquote, botches – it doesn't botch because they planned it and went awry. It's because when you're, you know, competing in anything, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, wrestling, you know, things don't always go the way you want it to, <laughs> yeah. you know? So it, it, it's a completely different world. And if you go in with that kind of mindset and that to me, that's the way professional wrestling should be presented. Yeah, I, I got to agree with that. With my final word, I'm going to kind of like piggyback with what you were saying, but kind of take into another spin is you may get your wish to where things might change up a little bit with that. And that is with the the recent shift in power with our with our round two topic. We're talking about Vince McMahon and stepping down and all that good stuff. And I feel like with Vince McMahon stepping down, you know, one, he's going to probably venture into different investment, different investment opportunities outside of pro wrestling with, with the money he made, maybe help out Dwayne the Rock Johnson with the XFL venture, you know, or whatever he decides to do outside of wrestling. But I think with that shift in power in WWE, we may get our wish with what we were hoping to see with AEW um, with, with the, you know, with the shift in storylines where we build up some legitimacy within the storylines, see some legitimate wrestling, you know, throughout that point. And, and what we could see with that going forward could see some good things from the creative team with triple H and, and with the, the shift in the, the writing power and the writing teams with that, because NXT is already making some different changes. There's been some different changes within the storylines with bringing Bailey back at SummerSlam and with the, the trio that she's got going on. 
I think with him writing the, the storylines within this uh, this company now is going to show a big difference by the time we start seeing a Royal Rumble and WrestleMania next year. Yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see. I mean, obviously, he's, he's making strides in the right direction. Um, there is some stuff that I, I personally would like to see. I'd like to see, you know, a more focus on actual heavyweights. You know, that's something that's been missing in professional wrestling forever. You know, it was the World Heavyweight Championship. Now, because most wrestlers are 170 pounds, they've kind of dropped the heavyweight off there and kind of went with whoever. Um, you know, in, in any sport, you know, boxing, for instance, another combat sport, you know, a great heavyweight will always beat a great light heavyweight um, in drawing and everything else. So I, I'd like to see more, you know, um, more focus on the believability of, of that, you know, anyone over 205 is a heavyweight and everyone else is not. And let's not quit putting those guys in those positions where basically it kills the believability because we wouldn't see money Mayweather, you know, versus a Lennox Lewis or a Mike Tyson or something like that. True. Even though they've been talks about money Mayweather coming back for one more match. Uh, we were talking about that a few episodes ago, and Lamont was here for episode 27. So there's potential that Money Mayweather, we could see him again. But with that undefeated streak, 50 and 0, I don't feel like it'd be a good idea for him to do that. But yeah, 51 was, doesn't have as nice a ring to it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Or 50 and 1 as well. You know, we could see some <laughs> Undertaker, True. Undertaker. But I feel like, you know, that they would find a way to, to, to promote that match and get the right contender in there to where he doesn't lose, if you know what I'm saying. So. Yeah, but, but with that being said, before we get on out of here, I do want to acknowledge what I was saying earlier. Mondays and Tuesdays, you can check out the In or Out Sports Debate here on the Legacy Maker Sports Network on all of its platforms. You can check it out here on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Twitch at the In or Out Sports Debate, as well as In or Out underscore SD for TikTok and Twitter. When it comes to the audio platforms, you can check it out on on Apple and Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Amazon Prime, Anchor.fm, and iTunes. You can download the episodes there as well. We are here for episode 32 at the tail end, here with the golden boy, Greg Anthony. Thank you again for joining us here for this episode 32 edition of the Inner Out Sports Debate. There's only one thing left to do, and that is one badass outro, which we're going to recycle from episode 14. Take care, guys. Thank you again, Golden Boy. Let's get on out of here. <laughs>